Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. It is the 29th of October, 2021. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much um, for being here today. Uh, All right, I have one international headline to lead off with um, uh, here in in this conversation this morning, uh, and it is about China and Afghanistan and the intersection of the two. So there, um, there are a number of nations that border Afghanistan. Uh, China is one of those. I mean, the border that China has with Afghanistan is actually fairly small. Um, but all of the countries bordering Afghanistan uh, have gotten together and they're uh, signaling that they are going to uh, recognize the Taliban as the official government. So there, um, there was this meeting on October the 20th signaling um, that, you know, there is this growing reality that the Taliban is going to become the recognized government of Afghanistan. And so they uh, have all kinds of plans for diplomatic ties with their neighboring nations. And China has some particular uh, things of interest. And one of those is that they would like the Taliban's help with the Uyghur, quote unquote, problem. And so, you know, we have talked about the Uyghur people. We have talked about this Muslim minority group that uh, that lives in China. And we have talked about China's uh, attempt to commit genocide against the Uyghur people which is the, again, the Muslim population, particularly in the western part of China. And so China is, uh, is, is, you know, wants a deal with the Taliban. They are looking for the Taliban to help them with, quote-unquote, their Uyghur problem on the western front. Here's the other thing that is going on in relationship to China and Afghanistan that I think we absolutely must pay attention to. So you remember the Bagram Air Force Base um, that we built Uh, Well, there are, uh, as international terrorist groups are operating now in Afghanistan and are actually a rising threat to the Taliban, the Taliban uh, cabinet is actually meeting today and asking the question if the Bagram Air Base north of Kabul could be handed over to a third country to um, help them launch a counter-terror operation in-country. Now, just think about that for just a moment. They are looking for a an international partner to come and run the Bagram Air Force Base as a counter-terror post within Afghanistan. Um, and there's really only two countries who they are considering. One would be the United States, which I think is very unlikely that they are going to invite us back in um, to an air base that we abandoned um, earlier this year. 
the other nation under consideration? China. Mm-hmm. China. All right. <clears throat> that should be of concern to all of us. All right. Uh, one other headline. The company formerly known as Facebook is now Meta. Facebook is going to remain one of Meta's many apps, but the umbrella for Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and a range of emerging technologies is Meta. A Meta, as in Metaverse. This is a rebrand, and it's a forecast of what Meta is describing as the next digital frontier, the unification of disparate digital worlds into something called the Metaverse. Um, a composite universe melding your online virtual and augmented worlds. Um, and so people can seamlessly traverse between reality and virtual reality, augmented reality, online reality. Mm-hmm. I think further blurring the lines between human and machine, virtual and reality, artificial and human intelligence, on and on and on and on and on. All right, so meta Meta is the big conversation today in big tech. All right, next up, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We're going to talk about movies and, frankly, a bunch of other things. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find what we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. How are you today? Good morning. I'm a full pot of coffee into the day. I'm only on my second cup, so forgive me if Ooh. I stumble. That's I'm, all right. I'm getting my, there. I'm getting there. My feet are, my feet are bouncing around on, my, uh, yeah, I, uh, on the edge of my stool today. All right, so I, give, us, give us the most reluctant convert Well, this is a movie that is going to tell the story of C.S. Lewis with C.S. Lewis himself, i.e. an actor, obviously, who has a script, telling the story of how it was that he became a Christian. Um, Mm. C.S. Lewis, we see in the trailer, uh, I'm actually not a C.S. Lewis scholar, but um, lost his mother when he was 14, and that became a real turning point in his life in terms of, you know, why would God allow suffering if there is a God? Is he good? Is he omnipotent? Or is he evil? And then, mm. of course, we um, the trailer shows us pictures of of him fighting in World War One and drinking. And, uh, and then there's this, you know, moment where he's forced to confront the question of, is Jesus who he said he was? And if he's not, who could he be? And his journey to placing faith in Jesus and then having his life in a, you know, a, a deeper way transformed uh, and shaped by that emerging belief. So, you know, I think it's funny because we think of C.S. Lewis as one of the, the, the real pillars of the 20th century in terms of uh, who we go to when we think about apologetics, when we think about the reasons that we would place our faith in God. But he certainly had a journey himself through unbelief before he got to belief. And um, I think this is the kind of story that has relevance for all of us, because we all have moments and seasons and sometimes long seasons 
of suffering, of loss, of confronting the brokenness of the world that we do not have the ability to make sense of with just the temporal lens that we're looking at life through. Uh, and that's why the lens of faith is so important. And we see how that happened uh, with C.S. Lewis. And I should also say this will be in theaters November 3rd. So you can go to cslewismovie.com to find out more about that. Yeah, there might be some other dates available in your area as well, so check it out. I know that folks are um, are working diligently to bring this film um, to communities across the country, so that is really, really cool. All right, um, Adam, The Harder They, Flaw- they Fall. This is on Netflix. Yeah, this is a, basically a, oh, it's a reimagined Western that um, uses African-American actors and actresses to tell the story of a bunch of characters who were real in real life. There was Nat Love, Rufus Black, Stagecoach Mary, uh, but it's more of a a stylized, almost Quentin Tarantino um, story of uh, this guy named Rufus Black who is a bad, bad, bad guy and the guy who comes up against him uh, after Rufus kills uh, members of his family. So, I mean, it's sort of a, a classic Western setup, you know, black hat, white hat kind of thing. Uh, only it's reimagined with <clears throat> with black actors. And so certainly it seems to be aiming for that audience. Um, and our reviewer, Paul AC called it a black Western version of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So that gives you a sense <laughs> of what we're dealing with. This is uh, an incredibly violent movie and a lot of profanity. Mm. It's R-rated. So uh, unless you're a huge, huge, huge Western fan, you can probably give this one a pass. Yeah. All right. How about The French Dispatch? The French Dispatch is another movie um, that is out right now. And honestly, here is my... My full confession. I need to pull up. Oh, let's do this. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. We'll just send everybody. We'll send everybody to read the review at pluggedin.com because it's got caution signs across the board. And so I think we're probably not suggesting it to people anyway. No, we're not. I think that's fair to say. All right. So forgive my brain not being able to access that file this morning. (laughs) You're totally fine. You're totally fine. All right. Adam Holtz and I are going to be right back. And you can find that review at pluggedin.com. All right, sometimes sometimes I spring things on Adam Holtz and he is unawares <laughs> of what's coming. Well, I, so okay, I think, here's I one think of that my was, that was coming, but I just that's right. I didn't have the here's one of my there we go. That's that's fine. Here's one of my unawares of what's coming things. So I, I let me just tell you that in the whole Alec Baldwin um, rust um, yeah situation, every time uh, there's only one visual ever. In the it, and it's ubiquitous now, and it's this image of this church. Yeah, like right, like that's the picture, right. and yeah. the scene that they were apparently rehearsing is Alec Baldwin sitting in a church pew pulling out a gun. Yeah. And I'm just, I guess, I'm just wondering if you've given any thought to that part of this 
horrible, tragic, awful story that everyone, you know, is is now completely intrigued and obsessed with. Yeah, that's a really fascinating observation. I hadn't thought about it, but here's what I will say. Certainly when we're talking about Westerns, uh, we're dealing with a time period in which faith was still very much uh, an influence in people's lives and influential culturally, perhaps in a way that it's not now. And yet a lot of times in Westerns, I think we get characters who they take matters into their own hands, right? Either because there's nobody else to do it or because there is revenge in play. And so even though we sometimes get this backdrop of faith, we also get stories of, you know, guys taking matters into their own hands. And I think for all of us, that's the question, right? Am I am I going to trust God or am I going to take things into my own hands? And it's usually not that simple. There's usually a degree of gray and, and gradation between those two poles, but, but that's what it comes down to. Uh, and I think Westerns often show us stories <clears throat> that are pretty starkly about good and evil. And so again, evaluating our choices. What am I going to choose today? What what am I going to place my faith in? Am I going to depend upon myself? Uh, and the fact that somebody could pull a gun in church shows that, you know, just because you're in a supposedly spiritual place doesn't keep you from making really uh, worldly or potentially violent decisions. Um, but I, I think it's a great observation, Carmen, that that we have this church at the center of this story. And for us as believers, how can we, in our own stories and with the people we interact with, how can we really help them to look for God in the center of their story, right? Because he's there. It's just a question of whether we're looking and whether we're willing to see. So I, um, I don't know if your brain made the connection that, that my brain made. But when I saw the um, this photograph of this church that's the scene of this movie, Rust, the, the, this image popped into my head of that church that they built in the middle of Soldier Field for Kanye West concert. Like, it's oh, yeah. almost exactly the same building. One's just wow. painted and one's not. I mean, I, it's, I mean they, they look incredibly similar. Um, and so I just it, it just felt like one of those things that like there's something going on. There are images out there of these physical buildings and there's a lot of pain associated with with what's happening. And I don't know. I just felt like if anybody out there is going to plumb the depths of it, you guys at Plugged In are going to be my guys. Well, let me say one other thing. I mean, I think the other picture I have seen and the one that showed up immediately was of Alec Baldwin on his phone with this horrified, pained expression Mm -hmm. on his face. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, Carmen, I think it's easy for us as Christians not to see celebrities as real human beings. And Mm. frankly, they're complicit in that, right? I mean, they want to build up an image that may be pretty disconnected from who they really are. And I think this is a horrible tragedy. It was an accident. They're still trying to figure out how this happened, and there are lots of potential influences. But I think I've had moments of compassion for Alec Baldwin that, frankly, I haven't ever had before. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. he, he's not somebody whose beliefs line up with what I believe, and he's said any number of things that I find 
pretty obnoxious and distasteful over the years. But here's a guy who is now at the heart of this horrible thing that has happened. And maybe God's trying to get a hold of him. I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but it, mm-hmm. it has caused me to see him not as Alec Baldwin, the celebrity and the actor and the guy who's on Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock, but as a guy in the middle of a tragedy that's going to affect the rest of his life and obviously has affected the family of the woman who was tragically killed. Um, and I don't know, I, I think it's a, a moment to just stop and reflect on the fact that the people who are telling these stories are real people. And we can get angry at them for their political views or their spiritual views, but but I, I want to step back and actually have a heart of compassion toward them amidst all of the other things in our culture that deserve our attention and prayer as well. Uh, but that's that's what I have thought when I keep seeing that picture. Yeah, the conversations about, I mean, I, I know it's a it's a bridge too far to say this is a church shooting. Like, I, I recognize that. But because right. the the visual includes that, um, and then in the headlines yesterday, the, the $88 million settlement um, with the families uh, of those killed in the Charleston church shooting, like, mm. it was a, this stark reminder that real people die inside real churches, and, um, you know, there's just real, there's real stuff going on out there. It's not just prop guns um, and accidents. And so I just, there's something happening. And I guess I don't want us to miss the opportunity, um, you know, when when art imitates life and life imitates art for us to have real conversations about real life and real death and real redemption. And yes, real things that happen in real churches, not just on movie sets. And so, I don't Absolutely. know, you seemed, you seemed like the good person for me to raise it with. Okay, yep. so of all the other things we might talk about today, which one do you want to talk about? Well, I want to circle back to what you were talking about right before I came on, which is Facebook's new name change uh, to Great. Meta. Um, I think this is actually, we will look back, and it's potentially one of the more significant things that's going to happen this week. Because... Mark Zuckerberg has a vision, right, wrong, or indifferent, for inviting people into a level of immersion with digital, virtual, and augmented reality content that is way beyond where we're at today. And I wonder if we'll look back and see holding smartphones as, you know, like the horse and buggy era of technology, because what he's envisioning is really maybe even as much as a 24-7 immersion in something that's not real. And so our conversations about how we interact with digital media, how we interact with people online, like I I think there are going to be all sorts of ethical things and spiritual questions that get raised because he wants to push us much, much further in a direction that we're already trending. And it can seem like science fiction. It can seem like Oh, you know, he's he watched Ready Player One too many times. But I, I think that we're moving that way culturally. And I think at the heart of that, um, Zuckerberg is tapping into our desire for something transcendent. We want to be connected to something bigger than us. And that is a yearning God has placed in our heart. But doing it through, you know, a super gizmo online, you know, connection suit, because there's going to be clothing that comes with this so that you can fully immerse your body in these, you know, virtual realities as well. Um, We have the real thing. That's still just a shadow and just a, you know, a fragment of the real thing. 
But those questions, I think, are going to continue to be very, very important for us to be talking about. Yeah, there's no question that the the transhumanist conversation is now really upon us when we start talking about uh, the metaverse. So and meta as a part of that. So. Um, Well, that will give us all kinds of fodder for conversation going forward. We will never lack for something to talk about. It's true. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Hey, Adam Holtz, as always, thank you so much. You guys can find Adam at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. All right. What do you say when there's nothing to say? Like when there's no human words that are going to fit into a situation or a circumstance of life. Like, what do you say when people are at the end of life? What do you say when people are at the end of their rope? What do you say when people are gravely ill? What do you say? We're going to talk with Lisa Sampson. She is the co-author of a series of books called Songs of Light, Words of Grace to Read Aloud with Those at Life's End or Words to Read allowed um, with those uh, who are in a critical condition or in a really difficult life circumstance. So all of that is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. How do we survive the bitterly cold winds of life? When the account has no cash, when the marriage has no joy, when the crib is empty or the grave is occupied. Well, Scripture offers a couple of starchy observations. First, no one gets a free pass. Trouble knocks at the door of us all. Someone needs that reminder. Someone has been led to believe that the Christian life is a yellow brick road, and consequently, when the inevitable bad stuff happens, the person is forced to face the tough questions about a God who didn't keep his promises, to which God says, well, I never made those promises. God did promise in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. Troubles come with life. We gain nothing by pretending they don't. No one gets a free pass, but we can believe this. One way or another, relief and deliverance will come. This is Max Locato. Why, God, do people have to die? A daughter or son, sudden and so young. Lisa Sampson is back. Lisa um, describes herself as a free spirit creative who's all about God, family, friendships, art, reading, writing, food, meditation, especially getting together with other humans who want to love more each day and make the world a better place. Um, she's got some grown kids and a dog named Zeus. She writes with Leonard Sweet, Lynn Sweet, who we love. They're both big fans of story and metaphor and signs and symbols and songs, and they both believe um, that all these things help bring people to a closer relationship with God and with each other. And she joins us today to talk about a trilogy of books that she and Lynn have written together called Songs of Light. Lisa, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you so much, Carmen. That was the nicest description of me I've ever heard. (laughs) Thank you. So, well, I mean, it's that or I just just straight up come right out and say it. I I suspect she's a hippie. But you that, know, yes, yes, I definitely. Right? Like in the I most positive sense just, of that word. Yes, I, I, I have to be convinced of of what things people are telling me. 
You know, yeah. I don't just swallow things easily. I just, you know, wait and see and, <laughs> you know, and kind of go on each day. And, and since I've been doing that, which is what Jesus told me to do, to take no thought for the morrow, you know, life has uh, definitely become richer and, and I have more patience for what is happening and what is going on in the world and my family and my friends, because each day is sufficient unto itself. And so mm. I think that's where my hippiness goes deep is trying yeah. to live each day faithfully and receptively, you know. That's exactly so receptive and reflective are two words that I would um I would use to describe my experience of these songs of light books. So there's this trilogy of books that um that Lisa has written with Lynn Sweet. I'm gonna read the titles so that because there's a rhythm here. Songs of Light Words of Grace to Read Aloud with Those at Life's End, Songs of Light, Words of Hope to Read Aloud with Those in Critical Condition, Songs of Light, Words of Life to Read Aloud with Those in Deep Despair. Um, Why don't we do this, Lisa? Tell us about the Songs of Light project and, and the three parts of this trilogy. Oh, well, first I'll tell you how it came to be originally. I was standing by my bed, and I heard the words very distinctly in my mind, words of grace to read aloud to those who are dying. Mm. It was clear. I saw a book cover, which isn't what we ended up using, but I knew it was for a book. Um, And so I I got right on the uh, keyboard to Len. I said, I think this is what we need to do. He's like, I love it, because he's all about sounding. We both believe that the spoken word, because God spoke us into existence, he spoke everything into existence. So our spoken word is extraordinarily creative. And I, because we have the image of God within us, so we have the same creative capacities, but to a much lesser degree, obviously. And uh, so he loved the idea that this is something that is spoken, which must have presence behind it. So when you read these books aloud to those who are at life's end, to those who are in critical condition, to those who are in deep despair, you must be present. And there is a little uh, blurb inside, you know, how to use the book that you could leave messages on the answering machine, but it's still the presence of your voice, your tone, and your belief in these words, so much so that you would grant them this gift, the people that you love, that you come in contact with, whoever God puts in your way that are in these populations, you are granting them the gift of your tone and your belief in a God that is always ready to be received and to deliver. I appreciate that um that the the conversation about presence, like right, showing up, um, incarnational ministry, walking into the room um, where the person is dying or where the person is in deep despair or where the person is experiencing travail, like physical presence actually matters. I mean, Jesus didn't condescend to human flesh um, for nothing. Uh, he did it purposefully. And there is there is a reality to to how the Spirit of God shows up in a particular way when the people of God show up physically. 
Oh, I believe that 100%. The efficacy of presence and ministry done in presence is you can't you can't even compare it. Now, I mean, I'm a person that writes words for people to read. You're a person that that brings your voice over the air for people. And certainly there are there are people that we will never get to in the in presence, but we put ourselves into these projects and we do so in a way that believes that this will make a difference in people's lives. And I know I know that we were given this work to do to make a difference, not only in the people that are hearing these words, but the people that read these words. We give them the I, the me, the mine, the us, the all of us, so that when they are reading this, they're reading this in the first person, and Mm -hmm. a light bulb can go off and say, oh, this is for me, too. I don't have to be dying. I don't have to be in critical condition. I don't have to be in deep despair. I can be at any level of a place where I am denying the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God in my life, because we do it all the time to different degrees. And this is a way for the reader, too, to understand that no matter where we are, the level and, and how we even judge our trials, um, that God is still with us. God can't not be with anybody. God is everywhere. And when we realize that we are not separated, we simply have turned our backs or closed our eyelids over the presence of the Almighty, the Creator, that's a different equation than you're up there and I'm down here and I am completely alone. We're never alone. So I just love the, the way this comes together for everybody involved in the uh, offering of these words. So the project is Songs of Light. It is a trilogy of books by uh, Lisa Sampson and Lynn Sweet. Um, when we come back from a very brief break, I, I'm going to um, invite Lisa to read to us um, from one of these Songs of Light. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. You've walked me through fire. Talking with writer Lisa Sampson, you can find her on Facebook at writer Lisa Sampson. Um, we're talking about the Songs of Light series. It's a trilogy of books that she has written with Lynn Sweet. Um, words of grace, words of hope, words of life. They're all to be read aloud. Um, Lisa, why don't you tell us what you're reading from and then read to us one of these passages from the Songs of Light. Oh, I am so delighted to do that. Thank you for the invitation, too. This is wonderful. So I'm reading from Words of Life to read aloud with those in deep despair. We are in unprecedented times. But I'm going to tell you this. God is more than able. And so with that, I give you, it's reading number four, more light than meets the eye. And I feel like this is applicable to everyone right now. In God, there is no darkness at all. In God, we live and move and have our being. Therefore, no matter how dark the night seems, how long and exhausting, we are always in the light. No matter who tells you the light is gone, you are still in the light. Friend, 
we close our eyes to the light all the time and proclaim it is dark. No time is it easier to do this than when the hardcore trials of life crash down on us. Death, loneliness, loss of job, home, finances, relationships. Loss tells us it is dark, but darkness, friend, is a myth. What is dark to us is not dark to the Creator. Our place of despair is God's place of repair. Our jumbled mess is God's opportunity to make straight. Our darkness is not dark to God. Our darkness can be an invitation to the one who loves you unconditionally to shine new light upon your path. Not just your path, but on you, dear one. God's light of mercy, justice, humility, and kindness might feel like an invitation to stand still, to remain just where you are. And it is, friend, it is, partly. Be still and know God is God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch the light shine from without and within. Behold the deliverance of your Creator. By your Creator, from your Creator, as truth is revealed in the light of God's truth. And the ultimate truth is this. You were made by God. You are loved by God. And there's nothing you can do to change either of those realities, no matter how hard you try. It takes patience to allow God's perfect light to manifest itself in your life. We want to jump in and do it our way, don't we? But here you are, here I am, and here God is. God, the stronghold, will guard and guide your first step. We never have to do it alone in the dark of our own strength. We can't. If we could, we wouldn't need God's help. Friend, God loves you so much. God will meet you in your darkness. Your source, source, strength, and song is poised to shed more light, more spark and sparkle than your wildest dreams, those dreams you've abandoned, tamed by fear and time. Just let the light shine. The darkness is not dark to God. God will help you see. In divine light, be loved beloved beloved hmm. that is reading number four uh, yes from from songs of light uh words of life to read aloud with those in deep despair um lisa i'm, I'm wondering what you guys have heard um already in terms of feedback from those who have used these books in real life ministry situations because i i feel like you know, in addition to this being a really good resource for each and every one of us as Christians um, in our own lives to read with people in our own families, this is a really good um, resource to share with our pastors. Yes, it is. And um, that, Len is getting the word out to his, uh, you know, the people that he, uh, in his realm. I'm kind of a hermit writer. So I just, you know, put the words down, and then he, he uh, how we actually did this project was I wrote the original uh, entries, and then he went in and resounded them with his voice and wrote, you know, and changed as he spoke them, which is such mm-hmm. an interesting process. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's getting the word out to various pastors, and, and uh, when we put it up on uh, social media, we try to get to clergy and chaplains. We would love for anybody that has 
access to any organizations of chaplaincy, hospice, uh, people that are helping uh, those with mental illness, you know, facilities, any facilities that hospitals for those in critical condition. We would love to get this these books into these places, sitting on coffee tables, sitting on end tables, uh, and so that somebody can just pick them up and say, wow. I need to take this in and read this to my loved one, or, wow, I need this resource in my ministry. So we are open to anybody that wants to come in and grab these up and and utilize them. It's so hard to know what to say sometimes, isn't it, in these, con- mm-hmm. in these certain conditions? And, and uh, these give you the words to say, and that's very valuable to me. So I hope it is to other people as well. So I have an idea. Um, I'll share it with you and and with everybody listening. Um, I, I think that there are passages in here that I would. I'm I'm thinking I would like to highlight and include in in like my advanced directives in my um, living will that I would be able to say these are the kinds of things I want to hear. In fact, just read this to me. Read this to oh, me that's when I'm beautiful. Right, because then yeah. I I'm using it now. I'm laying claim to it now, and I'm saying, I know this This takes me where I want to go, into the very presence of the Lord, into the throne room, beyond my the reality of whatever my current circumstance is. And so let's include these in our advanced directives, in our living wills, in our instructions to the people that are going to be caring for us when we can no longer care for ourselves, when I can no longer say... I want you to read these passages of Scripture to me, and I want you to read these assurances to me aloud. Um, you know, I got to say that now, because in the moment, I won't be able to say, I do not want to hear you read from all of this nonsense. I want you to read from this. This is what I want to hear. Yes, and that is so insightful, because part of this is to bring people into that uh, liminal space between death and life eternal, uh, life, death, life eternal, right? Especially the uh, with the words of grace for those at life's end. Um, that is exactly what the point of the project was. And then we realized it could go forward and we could bring help bring people into this space of, it's all about rece- receiving God's love. Every mm-hmm. book you could, you could put to one thing, or two words, God, three things. God made you. God loves you. Receive God's love. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Amen. That's it. Yeah, Lisa. It's such a joy to to catch up with you. I know we're gonna um we're gonna talk about another donkey closer to Christmas. Yes. Yes, we are. And she's got a friend. She's got a I camel. Love <laughs> I love that. A donkey and a camel coming next to yes. this conversation. All right, that's Lisa Sampson. We love. What she's writing uh, alongside her friend Lynn Sweet. This conversation is about uh, a trilogy that they have written called Songs of Light. Encourage you to check it out. Lisa, as always, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All righty, I am uh, I am headed on Monday to Sioux Falls, and so on Tuesday, if you are available and you are in Sioux Falls, I'd love to get together. 4 p.m. Coffee and conversation with Carmen. 4 p.m. on Tuesday, November the second. If you are available to do that, text the word meet M E E T. Text the word meet to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 
Um, and a quick shout out to Jacqueline. Um, some period of time ago, we talked about letter writing and Jacqueline texted in that she loves to write letters. And I suggested that maybe we get people who love to write letters together with people who love to receive letters. And she sent a letter to my granddaughter, Evelyn, um, who was elated to receive um, Jacqueline's letter. And so, Jacqueline, you now have a little pen pal. And she has dutifully written her letter uh, in reply to you using the quill and pot of ink that she got when she went to Colonial Williamsburg. So I have no idea if it will be legible when it arrives. But there you go. Um, Love you guys. Um, Thank you so much for being here today. Let us get out there into the world that God so loves and let us do so in ways that honor Jesus. If you haven't already, let's get ourselves into the word of God before we get out there into the world. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.